Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Monday, July 3rd, and we start with local news. Over the next few months, the Murray Reed County Regional Airport will undergo a much-needed facelift to its aging runway, an $8 million project that will resurface the 6,000-foot stretch, laying the foundation of future travel in Middle Tennessee. The regional airport in Mount Pleasant, or Federal Aviation Association IDMRC, one of 78 airports throughout the state, has made a name for itself as one of the busiest airports of its size in Tennessee, housing one of the longest runways among small airports in the state and selling 20,000 gallons of fuel per month. Manager Paul Turner attests, attests that what keeps the air traffic coming to the regional airport in Mount Pleasant is hands down the memorable customer service. Although major corporations like General Motors call the airport its home base for freight distribution and executive travel, the face of the airport, Turner's hospitality, is what sets the terminal apart, according to repeat customers. The airport, located in rural southern Middle Tennessee, provides quick access to State Highway 43, which was extended to reach Columbia's Highway 31 for better access to General Motors, then Saturn plant in the 1980s. Corporate giants that frequently use the airport include Love's Travel Stop, Walmart, Kohler, Hobby Lobby, Jimmy John's Sandwich Shop, and Springer Mountain Farms Chicken, to name a few. It's also not uncommon to see a few country music stars walking through the terminal on any given day. Greg Martin, airport board member, said the upgrades will set the stage for the future. But regardless of the upgrades, Turner serves as a solid fixture at the airport through the changes. They choose the airport because of the quality of service, he said. Paul sets the high standards of service. That airport is his baby. Turner recently gazed out the terminal window at the cranes and bulldozers which line the runway. Not a familiar sight, he says. He can't wait to get back to normal operations upon the completion of the project in September. That includes resurfacing the five-decades-old runway, installing LED lighting, and upgrading electrical systems. The runway, which was constructed in 1974, has remained untouched and will now be strengthened to ensure it can accommodate the weight of multiple aircrafts of all sizes and the freight they carry for numerous companies in the region. The $8 million grant brings improvements to the 30-year-old runway. The project is funded through a matching grant program in which both the local airport and the Tennessee Aeronautics Division will partner to provide 5% towards the project, while the Federal Aviation Administration provides 95% of the project's funding. We can accommodate any aircraft here, a Gulfstream, for example, because our runway, because of our runway length and width, unlike many smaller, more crowded airports in the region, Turner said. We have always been able to do that. We are not landlocked. We have plenty of room, he said. The upgrades just ensure we can keep doing that. It, it just needed to be done, he said. The airport's economic impact to Murray County is $13.9 million annually, according to the recent Tennessee Aviation Economic Impact Study generated by Tennessee Department of Transportation in 2019. Of that amount, visitor spending equaled about $3.8 million. The state's aviation industry reaches $40 billion among 78 airports, including major sites in Middle Tennessee like BNA, Nashville's Commercial Airport, John C. Toon in Nashville, and high-traffic airports in Smyrna and Murfreesboro. 
According to Martin, the Murray Regional Airport is on its way to becoming self-sustaining through its sale of fuel at a competitive price and frequent air traffic that draws corporate and private customers to the region. Martin said the new runway will secure airport operations over the next 50 years, adding that plans to build a new terminal is in the works once funding is secured. Murray County Chamber and Economic Alliance President Will Evans said the airport is a crucial component in attracting major corporations to southern Middle Tennessee by providing convenient business travel and distribution. As Murray County has become a hub for the auto industry and manufacturing, with fac- facilities rather like GM, J.C. Ford Tortilla Making Company, Fiberon, Mersin, and Altium Cells, the airport adds convenience to companies' logistical distribution, deliveries, and travel. We are serving many different businesses and people from other states, so they might be traveling by plane or helicopter from site to site, Evans said. It allows them to land directly in their in our community. It's important that the facility is of high quality since many times it's the first impression they get of our county, he said. The airport also offers a good option to transport freight for many of the companies we serve, he said. Turner, who is... On call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, focuses on high-quality customer service, even though the airport is not a private entity, but state and federally funded. Taylor greets flyers, serves individuals and corporations, and schedules logistics almost every hour of the day. Many have come to depend on Turner to fulfill their daily flying needs, from helping to coordinate deliveries to nearby manufacturers, to storing planes for personal travel. As Taylor stands in front of his wall of fame in the airport lobby in early June, dozens of familiar faces decorate the wall, including local country music greats, the frequent flyers like Dirks Bentley and Luke Bryan, and recent visitor Tim Tebow. Turner says he loves his job and wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Although the airport administrative offices were built in the 1950s from the leftover materials used to build Murray Regional Medical Center, Turner keeps the site spick and span. It comes from my days in the restaurant business and service industry. My pet peeve is fingerprints on the glass, he said. I will follow behind families with kids to make sure the smudges are gone, he said. Putting customers first comes naturally for Turner, who hangs his hat on hospitality. I think people keep coming back because we are clean, accommodating, laid back, and offer a place to seek solace and relax. If you need coffee or a snack, we have it, or even a shower, or a place to be quiet, he said. The airport will be unusually quiet, something Turner is not used to, over the next three months as the runway and tarmac undergo much-needed upgrades that will set the foundation for future traffic at the airport. Everyone has been really patient and say they can't wait to come back, he said. On Friday, Murray Regional Hospital unveiled a $115 million expansion project. WKOM WKRM's Delk Kennedy attended the unveiling and spoke to Murray Regional Health CEO Dr. Martin Cheney to learn more about this important project. This is Delk Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. Today I am at Murray Regional Hospital. It's Friday morning. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Martin Cheney, CEO of Murray Regional. We've just had a, an occasion here where a significant expansion of the facilities of Murray Regional and the services rendered has been announced. Uh, Dr. Cheney, can you, can you give me the highlights, please? Yes, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Kennedy. Um, for 70 years, Murray Regional has been the pillar of health care for this community. And as we have looked at uh, 
the community growth that we've experienced and how we can better partner with the community to provide exceptional patient care that we are known for. We are announcing today about a $115 million renovation expansion project to Murray Regional Health. Most of that attention will be at the medical center um, here on Trotwood Avenue. Some will be in access points throughout our organization to improve access and patient experience in clinics in the six counties that we serve. Uh, We are excited. We've had tremendous community support. Uh, County commissioners have been on board with this. And uh, just, once again, excited as an organization to take a step forward in providing exceptional care in, in line with our mission and vision. Our mission is clinically excellent, compassionate care, which we are known for. Our vision now, which is new from last year, is to be that first choice for health and wellness uh, as we provide a patient experience that people will want to, to entrust their health care with us. So exciting times for our organization and for the community. Well, it certainly is. And this community, I think, has a, a fondness for this hospital. I know I was born here. My children were born here. My three grandchildren were born here, as well as other occasions when we've my family sought out your services over the years. And it's it's always it hadn't always been fun, but it's always been excellent. Um, now, I think the most visible things to the public might be the facelift and the addition of two additional stories for more beds in the hospital. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so our main tower, which was uh, finalized construction in the uh, 1990s, um, we're planning on adding two additional floors to the main uh, uh, main tower. Uh, currently goes up to six floors, so that'll be a seventh and eighth floor. The seventh floor will be dedicated to a higher patient acuity. We are seeing a trend where to be in the hospital, you're pretty sick. Uh, patients that aren't as sick. When I started my career as a physician 25 years ago, we admitted people to the hospital that today are treated in the emergency department and then managed at home. So we are seeing a shift, especially as our population ages, uh, that we are going to need a higher acuity of care area to treat patients. And so that seventh floor would be dedicated to what we call step down, which would be patients that aren't quite sick enough to be in intensive care, but need enhanced care for whatever condition brings them to the hospital. Those beds could flex up to ICU as needed, which was very sorely needed during the pandemic when we needed to expand ICU beds. Um, The facelift of the hospital, I think, is what will catch most attention. Uh, We do have a 1953-looking facade, and we know that healing and wellness uh, begins when you first walk into our facilities. And so we are are dedicated to creating an environment and a look that that speaks to modern healthcare. And so facelift, a new lobby that will be uh, very uh, spacious and hopefully will give you a sense when you walk in of the care that's going to be provided um, in our in our care so thank you yeah and you spoke a little while ago you know about the board staff and others have undertaken a, almost a year-long study now into what the future needs of this community and this hospital will be you just mentioned the additional acuity care the acute care beds which will be needed uh, what else did did this study identify uh, as future needs of Murray Regional and the communities it serves? 
Yeah, so our community has grown tremendously. The, the last expansion on this campus, as far as buildings go, was in 2003. Well, our community has changed a lot in the past 20 years. So it's 20 years of community growth that we are now responding to. Um, we are excited to have an expansion of our emergency department. We have already done a lot of work on the throughput in our ER. We have reduced our wait times in the ER already about 20% over the past six months. And our goal is to reduce our wait times by 30% by the end of this calendar year. That that's includes the addition of 10 additional uh, treatment areas as we build out some other parts of the ER for expansion over the next year or so. As our population grows, we, part we partnered with a consulting firm called Legacy, who looked at all community growth data, talked with the chamber, uh, talked with the state, got a crystal ball prediction of the growth in our community, and have encouraged us to grow certain service lines um, and certainly our emergency department to meet that predict projected growth that would be coming over the next five years. So, yes, we have partnered with our county, our board of trustees, our senior leadership. We've uh, solicited input from c county citizens uh, about the plan. And uh, this has been a nine-month journey to get to this point and this big announcement today. Of phase this is phase one, and phase two will come in a few years. Uh, we're not ready to announce that yet, but, but the point is we are going to continue to grow. We are going to continue to meet the health needs of this area as Murray Regional has done for the past 70 years. Wow, that's amazing. Now, one more thing. You've mentioned in your presentation that this $150 million project will be financed by Murray Regional. How does that work? Yeah, so we receive no public funds uh, from, the, from the community in our operations. Uh, we are all self-funded. And we do a lot of community benefits, uh, of not only in debt and charity care that we provide. Access to care for all members of our community is extremely important. And we will, we will look at that access and continue to provide that care. But we have to fund that care, and that care will be funded in a variety of ways. We announced today a bond issuance that will be probably through the county, but the responsibility of Murray Regional Health to to pay back over time. Uh, there's an energy as an asset agreement that we are hopefully going to enter into, which will provide about a $36 million expansion, not only to our critical energy infrastructure, because when you go building additional floors, addition, additional units, we're going to need more, more heating and cooling and energy infrastructure. Uh, that will be a big lift and is a significant part of that $115 million overall spend. And then we're looking at state grants as well as partnerships with vendors to accomplish some of these more specific growth areas like in our cafeteria and uh, Java Junction, our, our coffee shop. So, Wow, this is all amazing. Again, this is Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. I'm speaking with Dr. Martin Cheney, CEO of Murray Regional Healthcare now, I believe it's called. Uh, among other things today, a, an additional two stories to the hospital here in Columbia, plus a facade remake, in addition to uh, many, many more services and facilities related to those services to be provided throughout uh, Murray Regional Healthcare's service area. Dr. Cheney, congratulations. Thank you, and we're so appreciative of the community's support that we have received currently and through the years, and uh, look forward to that partnership in the future. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.
The city of Columbia wants to remind citizens that fireworks are only allowed to be used within the city limits on July 3rd, 4th, and 5th from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Also, it is unlawful for any person to possess, sell, or use mortars, single or multiple tubes larger than one and a half inches in diameter, or bottle rockets of any kind. For more information on city ordinances related to fireworks, visit www.columbiatn.com. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Martha Blanche Schaus Nichols, 80, a math teacher for the Davidson County Schools and resident of Mount Juliet, died Friday, June 30th at Summit Medical Center. A graveside service for Mrs. Nichols will be conducted on Monday at 2 p.m. at Goshen Cemetery. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mr. John... Buddy Thomas Fisher, Jr., age 95, passed away on June 30th. A memorial service for Mr. Fisher will be held Thursday, July 6th at 1 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. The family will visit with friends on Thursday, July 6th from 11.30 a.m. until service time at the church, and again from 2 to 4 p.m. at 814 Academy Lane in Columbia. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mrs. Patricia Faye Ingram Holder, 68, a professional painter and resident of Pulaski, died Thursday, June 29th at Meadowbrook. A graveside service for Mrs. Holder will be conducted Saturday, July 8th at 10 a.m. at Wilkes Cemetery. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mr. Robert Lee Rob Elliott Jr., age 58, passed away unexpectedly on June 26th at his residence in Columbia, a celebration of life for Mr. Elliott will be held on Sunday, July 9th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Southern Trey Steakhouse, upstairs at the Magnolia Room. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home is assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have a mix of clouds and sun today with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible. The high will be 91 degrees with winds out of the west at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight we can expect mostly cloudy skies with a stray shower or thunderstorm possible. The low will be 66 degrees with light and variable winds. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affects you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. 
My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard. The same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg. We do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association. Funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. A bug bite caused Julie Curtis to become allergic to meat and, as a result, upended her life. 
A Lone Star tick got on her skin while she was working on her farm in Mount Juliet. It initially caused a red welt the size of a baseball and produced mild symptoms that seemed like normal fatigue, achy joints, and dizziness. But for long, before long, eating a variety of meats or even consuming products whose ingredients included byproducts of those animals, such as marshmallows, made her sick. Doctors eventually diagnosed her with alpha-gal syndrome, a rare but potentially life-threatening allergy to pork, beef, rabbit, lamb, and or venison. For Curtis, eating certain kinds of meat initially made breathing difficult, the feeling similar to her throat closing, she said. It was pretty devastating, Curtis said. It changes your life completely. Lone Star tick counts high in Tennessee. Spring and summer are generally prime tick months in Tennessee. Ticks carry a variety of diseases, a number of which are commonly transmitted in Tennessee. Some, while rare, can cause life-threatening illnesses. Tennessee is among the states with the highest number of Lone Star ticks, which carry diseases like alpha-gal, studies show. Ticks are commonly found in grassy, brushy, and wooded areas. Ticks that cause Lyme disease are more commonly found in the middle and eastern parts of the state, according to the Tennessee Department of Health. The overall number of tick-borne diseases also has grown in recent decades, the department has found. Part of what may be because of the expanding range of ticks, the department has seen more black-legged ticks, which transmit Lyme disease from the north, where they have historically been more common, said spokesman Dean Fleener. Similarly, Gulf Coast ticks, which transmit, il- tran- transmit illness-causing rickettsia parkeri rickettsiosi Rickettsiosis, the cause of Rocky Mountain spotted fever, have moved north into Tennessee, Fleener said. An overall warming climate likely hasn't helped. Ticks can be out throughout the entire year. It just needs to be above 45 degrees Fahrenheit for their bodies to start moving again, said Nick Oldham, a pollinator ecology technician at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. So if we have a warmer winter or a warmer spring, they'll start moving pretty early. The further south you go, the more ticks you'll get, like in Georgia. But we've got a pretty big handful here, to say the least, he said. Curtis says she has since become a bit more tolerant of meat since she was bitten in 2021. She credits some alternative medical treatments, including acupuncture, for helping, though she said she limits her fast food and red meat intake. I'm not going to eat hamburger five days a week, she said. I'm careful. I'm more cautious. Research on the acupuncture treatment she sought out is limited at best. It can also be very expensive, in her case, nearly $1,000. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said alpha-gal is best managed with antihistamines, corticosteroids, and other medications. The CDC also notes that infected people may begin eating meat again after avoiding re-exposure and tick bites for a long enough period of time. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Dolly Parton's Imagination Library opens a new chapter this summer as the program celebrates a significant milestone in early childhood literacy while continuing its expansion efforts with the rollout of new statewide programs. Dolly's book gifting program has gifted over 211 million books to children across the U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, and the Republic of Ireland. As we enter into summer, the Imagination Library continues to inspire more children around the world to dream more, learn more, care more, and be more. Thanks to over 2,800 local affiliates around the world who are dedicated to inspiring a love of reading by gifting books each month to children, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library has reached a remarkable milestone, surpassing 200 million books gifted globally since the program's inception in 1995. To commemorate this global milestone, seven enchanting Dolly bookmarks will be randomly hidden inside Imagination Library books gifted during International Literacy Month, that's September, to children and families currently enrolled in the program around the world. Seven random children or families in five countries who find the Dolly bookmarks in their Imagination Library books will receive, if they choose, a video chat with Dolly, a personalized signed letter, an autographed photo from Dolly, and four Dollywood theme park tickets. The Dollywood Foundation will also donate $2,000 on behalf of the child to their local Imagination Library partner. To learn more, visit www.imaginationlibrary.com for more information. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Wednesday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great 4th of July. <laughs>